And all right, we're here with Athena Perez. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited. So I, well, I'm glad you're excited. I'm very excited as well. I was going to actually say, hey, we're here with best-selling author, Athena Perez. But then as I was going to say it, I was like, maybe, maybe that's not true. But your book, Lifting the Weight, and weight is spelled W-A-I-T for those that get inspired and motivated and want to purchase it. But mm -hmm. has it hit any sort of charts on Amazon or anything? Yeah, it's pulling um, newest bestseller in I, I think five or six different categories, which I mean, you only get eight, so it couldn't have been any better. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to brag. As you know, my book, Best Hour of Their Day, <laughs> I think I was in, would you say yours was five or six? I think mine was six or seven. So, you know, good job, but not quite as, not quite yeah. as, you know, Look at you. Seller. No, <laughs> I was like, you know, people people ask me about that bestseller thing all the time, and I'm like, you know what? On um on Amazon, you know, you kind of figure it out changes the best way by the hour. So <laughs> yeah, so as long as you touch it for a second, you know, it's like a PR. How? Well, I obviously mm, want to talk about yeah, everything. I want to talk about everything in the book, but a lot of people ask me, and I'd like mm -hmm. to hear from you when you talk about writing a book. Did you explore, you know, going through the standard publishing route or did you know you were going to do a self-published book? Well, it was actually reversed. Um, I oh, always did, thought, did I get... yeah, yeah. I, I always thought that I was going to do self-published. Um, but then um, Greg Amundsen um, picked it up and said, hey, I want to publish it for you. So <laughs> that's the route that I ended up going. Oh, okay. I, I got, you know, I saw Greg Amundsen had written the forward and I just didn't, he's written, you know, he's been on the show. Amazing. One of the most amazing human beings you can meet Greg Amundsen for those that don't know, he's the OG fire breather in CrossFit. That's right. Like, when I started CrossFit, he was the guy on, you know, before Matt Frazier and Rich Froning, you were watching Greg Amundsen. There's a very funny old video of him doing Helen on a track and mm -hmm. he basically disappears for about a minute and a half every round you know doing his run then he comes back or you can see him doing gi jane so he actually published it for you i didn't even realize he had a publishing company now mm -hmm. it's called eagle rise publishing and mm -hmm. what was your connection to greg oh funny story so um when i was out in california um getting my l1 um I met two people from his box. Two of his coaches were there taking my L1s. And, and um, I woke up the morning that I was supposed to head out. You know, the class is over. You know, your body's sore. And I thought that I was going to be heading out to the airport. And something was like, hey, you need to, you need to go down to this box. So I followed the prompt and ended up down at Amundsen's gym, saw the two coaches that I had met. And I was like, wow, small world. And um, Greg wasn't supposed to be that there that day, but he ended up walking in and totally unexpected, wasn't expecting to meet him or anything. And um, he ended up sitting with me for probably a little over an hour and just learning about me and my story. And that's how we met. And then fast forward, um, about a year and a half later, um, I was doing one of his Bible studies and he's like, Athena, um, you're writing this book. Let's, let's get it published. And I was like, okay, here we go. So that's kind of how that happened. 
Yeah, Greg is the kind of guy that you don't sit down and chat for two minutes. Yeah, just, you, chat, no. you, you chat for an hour and you <laughs> leave that conversation inspired in so many different directions. Whenever I talk to him, I'm like, how does this guy maintain A, such a positive outlook mm -hmm. all the time and mm -hmm. B, this energy? I mean, if you listen to the show, it's like non, like he's just, oh. like you could ask him like, what'd you have for breakfast? And he's like, let me tell you about this amazing breakfast. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay. It's okay, so Greg. true. Calm down. That makes me laugh. It's so true. Well, even even funnier though, what inspired me about Greg is that he ended up giving me a copy of his book. Um, well, he's written several, but the one that yeah, he which one? That morning, yeah, it was called The Warrior and the Monk. And read that. yeah, great mm -hmm. book. Yeah, it's fantastic, right? It's a quick little read, but um, it's impactful. And I was reading it on the plane back from there. And that was what inspired me to write. I, I knew I wanted to write before that, but I knew, okay, how I was going to write it. I felt like so, I had read my own story. Well, so let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And obviously the, the bulk of it, you've lost 225 pounds. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So you've lost... You can look at that as you've lost uh, one and a half of me, you know, <laughs> right. one and a quarter of a fern, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah. Um, but at, at, so if you've lost 225 pounds, what were you at, the, at the, your highest weight? You know, that's actually a little bit of a mystery. We, we use 500 as the number um, because we really don't know. Um, most traditional scales only go to 450 and mine was erroring out. So when I started losing weight, it took the first month to start registering on the scale. Yeah. So we, that as a guess, it could have been higher. We don't know. I'll never know. Well, and it's true because, you know, in my book, I talk about the story of how I help someone lose you know, well over 200 pounds as well. Mm -hmm. His name's Murph. And, and I mean, we say the same thing. It's kind of like we were guessing what it is, but we, you know, I think his scale topped out at 400, but yeah. he was you know, certainly pushing that 500 pound mark. So mm -hmm. you know, two, 225 pounds. I mean, absolutely incredible. Did you, you know, you talked about wanting to write the book. Yeah. What came first? Was it I want to write a book because I want to write a book or was it, I lost all this weight. Now I have a story to share. Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, I would say the latter of those two. Um, there, there was um, a lot of different drivers. Um, the first one was, um, you know, I, I felt like my faith was, it was, it's just based on faith. I felt like I was being, this was something that I needed to do. Um, the second one happened because of the CrossFit video, the very first one that came out. Um, this is the one that uh, Mike Coslap and Tyson Oldroyd had commissioned, Savon. And um, there was a lot of feedback um, from that video and my life just went crazy but there was a lot of response to it um, um, where people would reach out and, and they would say, hey, Athena, um, you know, I had these things happen to me too and, and they weren't what you went through, but, but, but. And um, it was something that was a reoccurring theme and I just kept hearing it over and over again. And, and what inspired me to write the book is that, um, you know, people think that you just walk into a CrossFit gym and, you know, you lose a couple hundred pounds and ta-da, that's the story. But it was not. 
And so that's why I opted to write the book is to like, this isn't the story. This is the story. So. And that's, I think for most people, at least that are writing, you know, quote unquote biographies or um, nonfiction, that's what it comes from, right? Like, hey, I've, I've got this story that I now want to share with yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Gonna, my dog, whenever I'm on a call, tries to find the toy that has the loudest squeaker in it. So, sorry. <laughs> just, just stepped away to uh, grab I've, that. I've got two of my own, so I get it. I, you know, whoever made squeaky toys for dogs, you know, <laughs> needs to go completely out of business. It's, I don't know what the, they don't care if it's squeaking, but I care. I had to lock. I had to lock mine in the basement. This the dogs or the yeah. squeaky toys? <laughs> no, they're down. They're down in the dungeon right now. Yeah, and then like one of my favorite is this squeaky, and it's like basically now lives on the kitchen counter because I just take it away all the time. And my wife is like, <laughs> "Is this where we keep it?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's where it lives." Um, so, you know, I don't want to give away the book, and like I mentioned, I have not read it yet. I'm gonna go get it on Amazon as soon as we are done, but. And, you know, so if, I, if I'm give, asking questions that are giving it away, feel free to ask as much as you want or answer as much as you want. And I'm sure, you know, spoiler, okay. like, you, you know, she loses the weight. Spoiler alert. She, <laughs> I'll be she, ready to filter. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, there's, I'm sure there's so much more in it. But talk to me about the title first. What's the, huh. about the change in spelling of weight? Obviously, you know, most people, when you see lifting the weight, you would assume it is referring to weight as far as, you know, bumper plates or kettlebells, but, but you have it in in the term of like, Hey, we're waiting for something as in, you know, delaying time. Mm -hmm. So where did that come from? Yeah, that, that, that assumption is correct. Um, the weight. So the reason why I spelled it differently, W A I T is because part of the story, um, is about, um, talking about and recognizing that the physical weight W-E-I-G-H-T, was not the problem. Food by itself wasn't the problem. The weight itself was not my problem. It was um, all of the things that I was running away from. Um, That was the issue of the problem. So inadvertently, I waited. um, And we wait a lot because we don't want to have to deal with it. We, you know, push it back in the corner and hope that we won't ever have to deal with it and Sometimes that's how we solve our problems. It's how I did. I just pushed in a corner and thought it would just go away, but it didn't. So that's why it's called W-A-I-T. You know, and I think it's a common thread with people, especially, you know, we see it a lot in weight loss, but also in new habits or Mm -hmm. new hobbies that they want to create where it's like, I'll wait till Monday. You know, the famous quote of all good diets start on Monday. (laughs) I was guilty of it too. I mean, you know, the things that we don't want to do, right? You know, for me, it was never about food or, or exercise, but it'll be like, all right, I'll start meditating on Monday. I'll start doing this on Monday. Oh, 100%. Yeah, what, totally. What, what's your opinion on why people are like that? And, and secondly, what are some of the things you can tell them to do to avoid that? Like, hey, no, just start now. Well, I mean... um. Why do people do it? Well, I can tell you why I did it. <laughs> um, let's see. I think we we try to push it off because we know that there's something in there that we're going to have to face. Um, and, and most of the time, it's hard stuff. 
And I don't know about you, but I mean, if, if there's something hard that I'm, I know I'm going to have to deal with, and it's either going to be physically painful or emotionally painful, and I can get away with pushing it off for a couple of days, then yeah, it's really easy to say, you know what, I'll do that on Monday. And then hopefully by Monday, I'll, I will have worked up the courage to deal with it. Or it's going to be easy on Monday just to say, nah, push it off for a couple more days. Yeah. I mean, uh, like even right now, for example, Fern and I are writing a new book about coaching. And I'll, I'll open up the document, I'll start to write, and I'm like, ah, let me check my email. Let me, you know, let me take the dogs for a walk. You know, we, we just kind of, when something's yeah. hard, like you said, it's like, we're just delaying it, you know, rather than attacking well, the hard thing, that's we, we exactly. find all these. And, and also, I think we look at it like it's, you know, you lost 225 pounds. If you would have just thought to yourself, hey, I have to lose 225 pounds, you never would have started. No, but if you just make no that way. first step, like I need to eat a good breakfast today. Yeah. Um, shoot, that's such a such a gnarly question because um, there's so many different. Uh, I think that if I had tried when I started, you know, we should we should um, be clear about one thing: is that that weight is still it's still very much a work in progress. Um, it's still a it's still an ever you know moving target. By the way. Um, but, um, I, I think one of the things I learned, and, and this is one of the things I, I talk about in there was learning how to not be so avoidant. Like there's only one way to deal with anything and that's, you're going to have to face it or, or to your point, you're going to be delaying the inevitable. Right. But I think the key is that, um, we always try to bite off way more than we can chew. And then we set ourselves up to fail. You know, like I always used to say, um, um, I'm going to get on this new plan and I'm going to lose 50 pounds by June. And every time I did that, and then I didn't hit the goal one, because it was not reasonable, but two, um, you know, it started that vicious cycle all over again. You know, I was disappointed and then you started all over again. So when I started, I, I really only focused on that one day. You know how, like you say, it's the best hour of your day. Like for me, it was like one it was the best one day of the week. I only had to think about well, that one day. Wake up in the morning. Hey, can I stay on my plan today? That sounds a whole lot less intimidating and threatening than, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do about this whole month? You know? Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you too was, yeah. you know, your writing strategy. Because people ask me all the time, how did I write this book or that book? And I'm like, man, I would just commit to 200 words. And if I, because if I said, Hey, I'm going to go write three chapters today, I never would <laughs> yeah. have started. Uh-huh. I was like 200 and I, you know, I stole that from, I think it was Seth Godin or two Tim Ferriss where they're like 200 crappy words a day, you know? And if you get to 200 words, it's really crappy. And if you get to 200 words, you rarely stop. But what was, what was your strategy to accomplish this? That's so true. You, you can apply that to just about anything, right? Um, I had the same strategy, um, although mine was slightly different in, in the beginning. Um, I committed to, to 500, that was mine, like 500, and it doesn't matter how good or bad it is, just sit down and write 500 words. And if you really think about it, writing 500 words, I mean, you can do that in less than an hour, you know, if you're really determined. So that's all I did, but um, the first draft, I kept telling myself it doesn't, it really doesn't matter how this turns out on the first draft. Just get it out. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about grammar. Don't worry about spelling. Just 
head sludge on paper and get the story down. And then once you get it down, then you can start hacking it up from there. Oh yeah, mine would have like those red and blue lines <laughs> yeah, all over yeah, the place. Yeah. Cause I was just like, if I go back and fix everything, I'll, I'll never keep going. Oh yeah. You know, so many, you try, you're trying to write, I'm, I'm thinking faster than I could type. How, how long do you think it took you from the day you said, okay, I'm writing this book to mm -hmm. not till it was published, but till you were, you know, I learned you can edit forever. <laughs> Until you were like, I'm done editing. Mm -hmm. I have to hand this off to Greg or, or somebody else. <laughs> At some else. point. Yeah. yeah. At some point, it's you're like, like, you. It's like George Lucas, right? 30 years later, he's still editing Star Wars, <laughs> right? You know, you, you can never clean, you know, the, it's never going to end. How long was it for you from day one till the day it was out of your hands? Uh, just shy of two years. It's a long Stop. time. Uh, it is very long time, but... Um, you know, I, some of that time doesn't count because I was down for like 10 months where I couldn't work on the book at all. Is that when so, you had knee surgery and knee replacement? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So during that time when I was on all these narcotics, I don't know what the book would have sounded like if I had continued to write during that time. would have been a different time. book. It would have been a yeah. very different book, but yeah. equally entertaining. Yeah. But here's, here's the funny thing that happened. And I don't know if this happened when you were writing your book, but I, I was initially, I was kind of upset that it was taking that long, but when I got back on the horse after surgeries were done and I was off the meds and I felt like my, you know, the brain frog had cleared up a little bit. When I read back through that head sludge, I called it, um, there had been a lot of time to reflect and I'm glad now looking back that I had that 10 months because some of the positions that I had had before had, had softened a bit and my perspective had changed. Um, and maybe that was just going through the surgeries and just, I don't know, there was, there was a lot of humility there. And um, so I'm glad I had that time to, to think about things because I think it changed um, a lot of the things I talked about. So it ended up being a blessing in disguise. No, I agree with you. I think when you're right, it's like anything, when you're doing something creative, where you are in life has such a, impact on it and yeah you know yeah. giving yourself those 10 months probably you know changed your headspace and and helped you attack yeah. it from a different angle it really did yeah i think it was a different book because of it yeah what was harder writing the book or losing the weight um writing the book yeah because, so if you yeah. had to do so if i said okay you have to lose 225 again or write another book you'd say slap that weight on me and I'm going to do that? <laughs> well, I, I think the first chunk, like that first 187 pounds came off in less than a year. So, um, I mean, it just, it just came off this last, uh, hundred, you know, a hundred plus pounds, hundred and change. Um, it's brutal. What are you still looking to lose? I have about a hundred to lose. But again, every, everybody always says, well, what do you want to get down to? Um, was that your next question? Um, no, I don't no. Know. I don't, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's relative. I, and I've never, I, I don't know what the goal is. I just, I kind of have a loose goal based on this is where I think I need to be, but I've never been there. So I don't know what it's going to feel like or look like or, so it's a moving target. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's, it's, it's like most things, you know, and I think that's why for so many people, weight loss isn't necessarily the hard part. It's keeping the weight off. That's the hard part. And especially like you mentioned the first 
180 pounds melt off of you. And for a lot of people, yeah. they, they, they've realized that I've worked with enough people that have like, you know, you lose the first 20 pounds and then all of a <laughs> sudden it's like, now the work begins because now <laughs> yeah. those small details matter. Like you mm -hmm. probably lost weight and still enjoyed a slice of pizza here and there. Oh yeah. Where now, not that you shouldn't enjoy a slice of pizza, but it will impact what the scale says tomorrow. Mm -hmm. we're, yeah, we're that, at, that, that piece of pizza shows, I, I can't hide it anymore. <laughs> yeah, where at first it's like, oh, I can eat a pizza, I can eat a, a cupcake and I still mm -hmm. lost five pounds this week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not that lucky anymore. Yeah, now when you know, and and it's like anything. It's like the games athletes. The 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 closer you are to the top, and the 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 closer you are to your peak and your and your absolute capacity, the more stretching matters and mobility matters and recovery matters. So you're just you're yeah. just uh you're you're peaking. You're peaking totally. at this point in life. Yeah. So, so and I'm sure you talk about it in the book, but mm -hmm. tell me about the the first step and and what made you really commit to this because correct me if I'm wrong I don't and then we were talking about it briefly but we've met before but I think when we've met you were mm -hmm. either in the midst of this weight loss or you were not even begun um we met um we met after I had lost the first 200 okay so you had lost some I just you know yep I talked, you know, I don't know how to say this in a, in a, in a nice way. So don't, I hope no one listening takes offense, but I'm always, <laughs> I'm always impressed slash surprised by people that need to lose weight, but are at these CrossFit competitions volunteering. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason I say that is it's such a lifestyle and I'm like, okay, you're here, you're part of this lifestyle, but you know, something's not clicking for you. Something's not connecting. Well, well, okay, so so let me be objective. When you first met me that day in the affiliate lounge, did you look at me and say, "Oh, she's she needs to do something about her diet?" What you didn't know was that that had already changed, and that had been a work in progress for a year. So when you're out there and you're looking at people at the games, or you see people that are overweight, like couldn't we assume, like, yeah, they're on their game. They're it's a process. Yeah, no, I think that's that's very fair, and you know. Certainly, don't judge a book by its cover, and yeah. you know, and, I'm, and I don't, I'm not referring to you either, you know. But I see people that, mm -hmm. you know, and again, maybe it's me judging a book by its cover. But you see people at the, you know, volunteering at the games, and you're like, mm -hmm. man, do they do this thing? And I always think it'd be like me showing up volunteering at like Comic Con, even though I have no idea anything about comic books or you know sci-fi. Be like, oh, I just like to be around these people. <laughs> but maybe, hey, maybe that's what it takes. Maybe that's the motivation a lot of people are looking for. Also. I, yeah, I would say it is like, what better way to motivate yourself than to get in and around it? I mean, on, on yeah, I mean, I think I spoke about it briefly, but somebody downloaded my audiobook and they were like, Hey, can you recommend a CrossFit gym? And I was like, well, you don't go to one. They're like, no, I've downloaded your book and now I want to do CrossFit. And I was like, well, why'd you download my book? Like it's clearly for a CrossFit people. And she's like, well, I was looking for motivation and you got, you gave mm -hmm. it to me. And That's I was like, it you know, A, it made me like really happy and proud of that. But so, okay. So prior to that, mm -hmm. what was the turning point in your life? Um, you know, that moment of, the moment of truth. Um, I couldn't walk very well. Um, I was on canes, couldn't get around my house very well. 
I, I couldn't even visit the upper or lower floors because there was stairs and they were just, they had just gotten too hard. So I was literally isolated to kind of my main floor. So that was the first thing. The you were like thing becoming was, the TV show. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, totally. That's why I, I couldn't. Yeah, for that's sure. That's what I joke about with my buddy Murph all these years later. I'm like, you were either going to be on reality <laughs> TV or you were going to lose weight. Like there was no in between it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. It, it was either that or I was, uh, was going to end up on that show, that one. Yeah. Mm. So you realize you can't, you can't get to the second floor anymore. You're yep. basically becoming immobile. Yeah. There, there had to have been a spark, right? There was. Um, I, I, I had a bottle of, I was on a lot of painkillers. And when I say painkillers, I mean, there was a concoction of all kinds of things, but my drug of choice was uh, hydrocodones. So I was taking, you know, five or six a day and that's how bad the pain was. I mean, I just couldn't move without it. And this was pre-surgery. This was simply you're in pain because you're 500 pounds. You're, I mean, yeah, it just, there's like, how do you describe it to somebody that's never carried that kind of weight? Yeah, I want to know. I want to know what that Like every time that you step down, you feel this throbbing in your ankles and it radiates to your knees. And then if you have bad knees, it, it pains there. You can't, your back hurts all day. There's no comfortable position, standing, sleeping, laying down. It just, you hurt all the time. You're in have physical you, pain all, all day long. I think we can make the assumption that you probably wouldn't have needed the knee surgery if not for this weight all these years um, later. It could have happened. I mean, I had, a, I had an extra condition on the right. Um, I would have need. I, I might not have needed it on the left. That's correct. But okay. um, it was probably inevitable on the right. Have, have you done a workout since losing the weight where you're like, oh, this is what it used to feel like? Like you're so sore that you're like, this is what it used to feel like. Like, can anybody, can I beat myself up enough in a CrossFit workout that I can understand the pain you were in? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've been through some pretty hellish workouts and I don't know if that would compare. It's a different kind of pain. Right. Is it like where you just like wake up during the night in pain? Like, have you ever, um, have you ever had a, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that would, have you ever had a horrible Charlie horse in your legs? Yes. Like the worst Charlie horse you've ever had. Well, take that Charlie horse, probably multiply it by three and then it doesn't go away. So you're popping pills because it's a constant state all day. So you were getting that would do it, but no, and 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 I get it. I don't think any you know. I'm trying to understand what your body felt like, but I think just hearing what you're describing, we get it. We've never been there. Agony. It's agony. Yeah. So your doctor says, Mm -hmm. "Hey, you're 500 pounds, but let me prescribe you these drugs rather than let me tell you you need to lose some weight." Well, yes. Um, they had to prescribe the pills so that I could at least function. I mean, I still had to work, um, but those pills have side effects. You know, they make you sleepy and, and a myriad of other things, but at least m- at least my legs weren't hurting, <laughs> but then it just caused all kinds of other stuff. But no, their first recommendation was bariatric surgery. And what was your response to that? Um. 
I didn't like the idea at first, but eventually I was, I was pretty convinced that they were right. Um, the legs had gotten so bad that they were essentially saying, Hey, Athena, if you don't, if you don't do something about this weight right now, you're going to be in a wheelchair. And it was that serious. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll maybe I'll have the surgery. And for a year, I went down that whole road. I went to all the, you know, all the classes that you have to go through and you have to go see a shrink and, um, you know, you have to pass all these, um, pass all these tests and, and the ultimate goal is to get this magic green light that the doctor slash team of people that are working with you in the bariatric surgery process give you. And it's that little green light just basically says, yes, we think she's sane. She knows what she's getting into and we approve her for surgery. And what, what was that process like? Was it, you know, you're, you're going through this or as part of you thinking, should I just eat better? Should I just feel? No, I, I don't think any of that ever crossed my mind. I think by the time I was going through that process, I had, I had pretty much resigned myself to the belief that this was it. There is no other alternative. I had come to the end of the road and I was just, you know, dragging along like, okay, uh, this is it. So I think it was more like going through the motions. I was just numb. I don't think I, I don't think I was thinking a whole lot about it. I, I strongly disliked it, but I was desperate. I, I didn't know what else to do. And then what, and then what was your first step in the, what was your next step? Well, you have to go through this whole big, long thing, and then you, you get your, your green light, as they call it, and then, um, and then you get insurance approval. And then I got that, and then they set me up for a surgery date that was supposed to happen in January of 17. And? So, okay, so here we are. We're at Christmas, and... and um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go visit my family because, um, as I call it, I got too big to fly. Now, um, it doesn't mean that I couldn't have probably got two seats and I might've been okay. Um, this, that it wasn't buying the two seats that had me worried. It was, I didn't know how I was going to get from the car down to the terminal. Like just to visualize the trip that far, um, it made me not go. So I was stuck by myself. Um, for the holidays, mind For the you. holidays, right. You're home and alone. You're Macaulay I'm home Culkin. alone. Macaulay Culkin during Christmas. And... Um, Are you thinking to yourself, I might as well just eat whatever I want because I'm having this surgery? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, okay. So yes, that did happen. Um, but there's a downside to that because once you start that bariatric surgery process, they put you on a scale right when you first start. And if you gain any weight over that process, they will kick you out of it. So, so what was happening was I was getting depressed on the off weeks and I was eating whatever I wanted. And then what I would have to do is I would have to you know, not eat for a couple of days so I could get those couple pounds off. So when they went to put you back on the scale for your next check-in, 
I wouldn't show that I was up. Like it can't be up more than like, a, it's a fraction of a percentage um, because your weight fluctuates, right? But when you're at 500 pounds, you yeah. can, like we talked about, you can kind of mm -hmm. eat, eat what you want and probably not really gain a lot. Well, I mean, but I mean, yeah, you know why? I mean, can you imagine how many calories it would take at 500 pounds just to maintain that weight? You'd need three or 4,000 calories just to sustain. What would you say you were taking in on a daily basis? Oh, I knew exactly what I was taking in. It, it was upwards of probably six, 6,000 calories a day. How are you doing that? Um, a lot of nuts. I used to, well, I still do. I eat a lot of peanut butter and nut butters. It doesn't take a whole lot of nut butters to get a lot of calories. Um, but then I, I used to eat a lot of, um, you know, bread, donuts. But you weren't um, like crushing Chick-fil-A every day. Um, no, not really. I mean, I didn't want to go anywhere. So I, you right. Know. So that's what I'm assuming. Like, yeah. are you even going grocery shopping at this point? Um, not physically. So my, my closest friend had to do my grocery shopping for me, or I had to do a grocery delivery service just yeah. to get my Instacart. groceries. Yeah. So yeah. your closest friend, are you still friendly with her? Uh, still friendly with him. Yes. Him. Yeah. I mean, let's not dive too deep into it, but is he enabling you at this point? No, 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 not, not now. I'm saying then. Um, in other words, my friend's 500 pounds and she's <laughs> telling me to go out and buy donuts and a bin jars of nuts. I'm like, no, here's what yeah, I'm buying you. You know, I'm, I'm buying you some fruits and vegetables, some nuts and seeds, you know, mm -hmm. some fruit, a little, whatever, you know? So it's hard. I had imagined this guy is not in an enviable position. No. But, you know, and he's your friend, so he cares about you, but is, is part of him like, like, hey, I'm enabling Athena I, to, to do this. I will, I will say it was probably unintentional enabling, yes. Yeah. Very unintentional, but enabling, yes. So what ultimately was your, was your reason for going against it? For going against the surgery? Yes. Um, so I was watching these horror stories on YouTube one night, and um, I just kept watching. I just couldn't stop watching the videos. Dude, and, YouTube's a, a rabbit hole. Oh, oh, I got on YouTube. Exactly. Went down a rabbit hole, started watching one video, and then it went to another, another, another. And it's all these people that were like, if I hadn't gotten the surgery, I wouldn't have. I regret it. And there was people that had had it multiple times. Like, I couldn't even believe, like, you could yeah, have you could this more than once. That, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, there was this one chick that I remember she had lost 200 pounds and, um, she, she gained it all back. And, and I'm like, how does that happen? I understand gaining weight back. We fluctuate. We, we can gain 10 or 15 pounds and then lose 10 or 15. Like I get all that, but how do you gain back 200 pounds after going through that the first time? Like, how can you even consume that on a, on a stomach, the size of an egg? I just lots didn't of get soda. It. Lots yeah, of soda. Probably, yeah. So, so I was like, well, what am I doing if I, you know, if I can't if, if I can't learn to get the eating side of this under control, then the surgery's not gonna help me because I'm gonna I'm gonna be exactly the same way. If you don't learn to eat right and you don't learn all these things, then the surgery's just a band-aid. Yeah, I mean not that many of the listeners listen to Howard Stern, but there's a, there's a regular guest who had this surgery and he mm -hmm. has gained it all back. 
you know, and it's, a, you know, it's, it's those, like you said, your stomach is smaller, but it's a lot of those sodas. It's a lot of, you know, very cal- calorically dense foods mm-hmm, that don't mm-hmm. fill up your stomach and just, and you could push it. It's like your stomach now. I mean, I just watched the hot dog eating contest, right? Those guys <laughs> stretch their stomach out and then it goes back. You know, it's like it's training. True. They're, they're, they're not training for weight. They're training for food. So you, you come to this conclusion do you yeah. remember the first thing you did on this journey? Like the first real actionable step you took? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I cleaned out my, my entire kitchen, all the, any cupboard or refrigerator, freezer, anything that had food in it. That was the first thing that happened. And um, I mean, it was basically very similar to the CrossFit diet. I mean, if it wasn't, um, you know, lean beef or chicken, fish, um, you know, nuts, seeds, fruits, veggies, eggs. I wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna be part of my plan. Where so did you kinda, even get that knowledge and information from it? You time? know what? I mean, I think, I think we all have a general understanding of yeah. good foods versus bad foods, you know? Agreed. It's like, we can, you know, I can blame my parents that when I was yeah. a kid, there were snack wells in the house, which were, <laughs> you know, fat free. So that changed my, my belief a little bit on food. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're all smart enough to know, hey, these things called vegetables are good. I should eat more of these. And, you know, these things that taste delicious. Yeah, I mean. I should, I should eat less of, right? You can, you can put a donut or a carrot in front of a five-year-old and the five-year-old would probably be able to pick out, hey, what's more healthy? You know what I mean? So I, I don't think it was... I. I think I always knew what I should be doing. I, I suppose maybe I just didn't want to. That's, that's, that's a great way to put it. And I think we're all there. I mean, even days when I'm eating, you know, like an asshole, it's not like, (laughs) I don't, it's not like all of a sudden I get, you know, nutrition amnesia and I forget what's good or bad. I'm just like, no, I don't want it today. That's really what it boils down to. Right. We we just don't want to, I mean, you're stressed out. You know, I open up my fridge. I mean, even now, would I, would I rather have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or would I rather have a carrot? That's a no-brainer. How, how careful do we have to be around Athena these days? Another, you know, can you talk about these things and, and you feel okay? Like, okay, I, I can talk about donuts and I'm not concerned Athena's <laughs> going to go grab some donuts after no. this call. No. Well, see, this is the downside about not having you read that book. I think you're going to discover I, there's... I'm I'm pretty resilient. Well, um, you're no doubt resilient. I mean, I'm not I'm not truly worried about you, you know, right now because you know you don't lose that weight, keep it off, continue to lose weight, and do all the other amazing things you're doing right now that we still need to talk about. But <laughs> you know, it's like you know, I have friends, close friends, family members that are in different programs out there. You know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or gambling, mm-hmm. et cetera. And you're just always like, okay, what can I do around this person? Can I have a drink? You know, you know, is this going to be the, the drink that sets them off after 20 Man, years? That's, I, I totally see where you're going with that. That's a great question. Um, you know, can I go out with you at the games next year and know that it's my cheat night and not feel uh-huh. guilty that you're going to try to be good and, and go off the rails on Sunday? Totally. Yeah. But I think that that, um, that, that, that took a long time to get to. And I, there are times when I, I still don't have that wired because when I was down, uh, from surgeries, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of carbohydrate days because I don't know why I just, cause I was feeling like crap. 
<laughs> and yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't in the headspace to be making good choices and I didn't. Um, but on a, on a day to day, no, no, I'm not worried about that. I would guess after the surgery, because you're probably taking painkillers, your body resorted back to what you were doing when you were taking hydrocodone. And it was just like, okay, this is what I do. I take these drugs and I eat bad food. And it well, was as you. Sort of. Um, during the surgeries, I think it had more to do with, um, you know, CrossFit became my, um, how I handled stress and it became my life. And when that got taken away, then I resorted back to what I knew how to handle right. stress. And that was food. So yes, you're, you're right. Fair point. So what was the, when did you go to CrossFit for the first time mm -hmm. and how did you find it? Um, found it by, um, a friend of mine had kept getting tagged in pictures. I'd seen his, he belonged to a CrossFit gym and, and he was always getting tagged in pictures and I saw him. I mean, Is this the same played, friend? Uh, no, different guy. Okay. So I knew he belonged to a CrossFit gym, but he was a friend of, um, a trainer that was there and I started trolling his website and, um, and then I thought, well, CrossFit wasn't what was jumping out at me. Um, it was this individual. I thought, well, I know I'm not ready for CrossFit. At least that was what was in my mind at the time. But maybe this person can help me walk again. So really, that was the, that was the first goal was just to, I mean, it was nothing more than, hey, maybe I can learn how to walk without my canes. That would be great. Um, so, and, and this is yeah. in Minnesota, correct? Yeah. So what, so when, what box yeah, did you go to? Um, I started off uh, at CrossFit Lakeville. It's a, it's a little south of the Twin Cities. Okay. And then what was your first exposure when you walked into mm -hmm. the box? So my very first day of being in a CrossFit box was the last day of the 2017 Open. So... <laughs> So some sort so, of thruster and rowing workout, mm, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, okay. it, it was insane. And, um, you know, I met a couple, a couple that was there that night and they tapped me on my shoulder and they looked at me and they were like, hey, you know, a year from now, that's going to be you out there. And I was like, you've lost your mind. <laughs> and, and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. Um, but um, so, yeah, that, um, it was very intimidating. Um, you know, there were all different kinds of athletes. I mean, I did notice there were all different kinds, though. Yeah. But, um, but I, was, uh, I was like, no, that's, that's not going to be for me. I'm just going to learn how to walk again. That's it. So were you out there a year later? I was. Right. Yeah. That's, do you, do you, do you yeah. talk to those two people that tapped you on the shoulder ever and let them know? I mean, yeah, we were, I mean, they were the ones that were in the front row cheering me on a year later, surprisingly. And it was, it was, um, it was pretty magical. So you, you're doing CrossFit, you, you, mm -hmm. you start losing weight. Yeah. At what point did you decide, okay, I'm going to take my level one? Oh, um, Savan had asked me during the podcast if it was something I'd ever considered. And I thought, um, I was very naive. I, I thought, well, that's just reserved for people that want to coach. So I wasn't thinking about coaching then. 
So I was like, well, I don't, I don't need to take the level one. What am I going to get out of that? I don't want to coach. Little did I know um, that I, I mean, the level one is something that I wish I would have taken, like in my first three months of CrossFit, it would have taught me how to just be a better athlete. I think, you know, people, even to this day, I've, you know, when I meet people and I encourage them to take their level one, their response mm -hmm. is either I'm not going to coach or I'm not ready for it. I'm not fit enough. But, mm -hmm. you know, every weekend is, you know, before the pandemic, we'd have 40 or 50 people and maybe 10 to 15 of them ultimately want to coach. You know, the rest of them are there to, to learn more about it and just yeah. to continue to dive into this thing, like much like you, that's, that's changed their life. So yeah. you, 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 know, you tend to podcast, which, you know, mm -hmm. you can still, I think, find on, I think the original CrossFit podcast is still out there. Um, you can, you know, listen to you talk on there and then you go mm -hmm. take your level one. Yeah. What, what did that change for you? Um, oh man, I, I think one of the biggest takeaways, um, he's still my favorite <laughs> coach Eubanks. So he was Dave, uh, coach Dave, Dave. Right? um, I had really struggled, um, my whole life with this condition that I had on my right leg. It's not there anymore. The surgery got rid of it, but my leg used to bow really bad. And during this level one, I was always trying to do it like everyone else. I was always trying to um, do a squat like everyone else and, and keep my leg in the position that everybody else had it, thinking that that was what I was supposed to do. And of all people, it was Dave that, that came over and said, why do you keep trying to do it like that? Your, your leg isn't built like that. And I'm like, well, I thought this is how I was supposed to do a squat. And he goes, well, you're supposed to do a squat, how your body will allow you to do a squat. So it was just something that clicked. And I don't, I don't know why that had always been such a struggle, but it changed everything after that. I'm like, why am I, why am I trying so hard to do it like everyone else when I won't be able to do it like everyone else? Like this is special, this is different, and I need to be okay with how I can do it. Leave it to Dave. He's one of the best out there. Uh, he's amazing. He's, uh, you know, and that's also ultimately where you met Greg Amundsen that weekend too, right? Yes, yes. So had you not gone to your level, I mean, it's like me, right? Have you not gone to your level one, I wouldn't have met my wife. Had you mm -hmm. not gone to your level one, you don't meet Greg Amundsen. There's no book potentially. Yep. Correct. So after your level one, you were telling me, you know, and this is obviously years later, mm -hmm. your, your, your goal is to open your own affiliate. That's right. Right now. Right now, yeah. So most people this time in their lives, it's like the pandemic, gyms are shutting, you know, California just shut down again. We need to get out of this gym industry, but you're diving into it. Yes. Um, one, because of where it's at. So it's in my garage. It's a, it's a humble 20 by 20 garage box, but I figure, you know what? That's, that's, how, all the, that's how all the good hey. ones used to start. 400 square feet. My That's first right. box started with 800. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, not much bigger. And, um, yeah, so I figured that's a positive. Um, the other one is, you know, I, 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 I negotiated a really sweet deal with the landlord, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so she cut me this incredible deal on the space out there. So, um, in all seriousness, uh, if, if, if things go to hell in a handbasket this fall again, and we all go back into quarantine and we all don't have our boxes, um, I didn't want that to happen again. 
um, I still, I still have to finish what I started and I didn't want to get off track again. And I wanted to have that available. The other thing was, you know, I looked at my own journey and, um, people reach out every day. I, I don't think a day has gone by where I don't hear from somebody saw my story or whatever, just somebody new I meet on Instagram. And a lot of them are in that, um, that position of, um, they feel like they don't, they can't go to a box because of how much they weigh. They're embarrassed to go. And I wanted to be able to create something that, people could attend virtually and they could be in a box with people that look just like them um, with a coach that looks just like them that understands where they're at and where they're coming from. And I just wanted to, to have a different demographic and, and, and really work with um, people that were where I started. Do, do you already have the equipment there? No, that's um, that's actually an ongoing process right now. So right now we're in the yeah, good luck in with the, that. <laughs> I'm I'm having it's piecemealing. So I get like one box, one barbell at a time, and um, yeah, it, it's probably going to be an ongoing process for the next two months. But yeah, I've got a bunch of you know notify me when they're like, back in on Rogue good Fitness. Luck. Yeah, you know, so. and that and that's what I do. I've signed up and I have notifications on just about every product on there. Just like the other day, it said, hey. This bar's back in stock. I, I ran upstairs that moment, got on the computer, ordered the darn barbells, because I knew if I didn't order it at that minute, I was not going to see them again for another eight weeks. So that's yeah, what that's, I have to do with everything. That's what we're uh, trying to put, to put the garage gym together. I've got the foldable squat rack on hold. I got a barbell on hold. In the meantime, you know, just doing, doing what we can do. So What's it like all of these years later to be the motivator, not the motivatee? Um, that is really surreal because I, I, I would not have pegged myself that person. Like I had let myself down my whole life. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm still in shock. Is there a, like a bit of um, imposter syndrome? You know, someone um, comes up to you and you've motivated them like, because I have that to this day, you know, like, who am I to help this person, you know, and you forget, you know, for me, it's the years of coaching, but for you, mm -hmm. it's the, you know, those 200 pounds are incredible. And for a lot of people, like, you're their inspiration. Um, you know, I've heard that term and I've heard people talk about it. I don't know that I've ever experienced it like that, but I will say what I have experienced. Um, I had trouble dealing um, with the fact that I am still very plus size. And um, I always wondered, well, why would they, why would they want to train with me or how can I motivate them? Because I'm, I, you know, I didn't finish yet. I'm still, this is still a work in progress, but to your point, you know, same thing. I forget that, where they're trying to go is what I already did. So that's motivating. That's inspiring. And, um, I'm, I, I don't know. It always just, it, it amazes me. I have, I have trouble saying thank you. And I, I don't know why. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think for a lot of people, you being in the midst of your journey is, is partly what motivates them because you, 
understand it. I think it's why I've had success in the nutrition you know, industry as well, because it's still a struggle for me every day. So when mm-hmm. someone messages me and is, you know, I'm going through this or I'm going through that, I get it because I had yeah. a crappy day yesterday too. And it took yeah. all I could not to stop at Chipotle, you know, and get totally. double wrap burrito, you know? Yeah. So I think yeah. it, 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 there's, there's part of it, you know, the, the best coach, the best athletes sometimes make the worst coaches because they don't understand it. You get it. You understand mm-hmm. what it's like to, yeah. to, you know, to be in the thick of it. What, what was it like for you with everything that went down in CrossFit? Because for me, it was oh. tough because it changed my life, you know, for a very, very different reason than it changed yours. Yeah. But how did it impact you differently knowing that like, hey, this is the thing that truly saved my life. And now everybody's basically, you know, for lack of a better term, like crapping on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, I cried um, a couple days. I was, I was mortified at what was going on. Um, it was different for me. It, yeah, I think you said it well. It, it wasn't something that, um, it wasn't something that I could say, well, I'll just, I'll just co- compete in some other competition or, hey, we're going to form this union and we're going to start competing over here. Um, this literally saved my life and I was, I was going to stand by it until it crumbled. And I was pretty determined. Luckily it didn't, right? Thank goodness. But I I was gonna, uh, I didn't, I didn't want the whole palace to come down because of one person. I feel like CrossFit had gotten so much bigger than that. And the community, it was everything. It was, yeah, it was hard to watch. And, you know, and obviously now things are, appear to be moving in a great direction. But yeah, it must have been, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's hard for, for so many people. And that was what I was just trying to make clear with all my posts. It's like, hey, this isn't one person. This is CrossFit. The fact yeah. that Athena has lost 200 plus pounds, the fact that she's now an inspiration to others, like that's CrossFit. Yeah. One dude you know, tweeting and, and saying horrible things is not CrossFit. Could not, I, I could not agree more. So if, if anyone were to scroll through your Instagram, I mean, mm-hmm. you got a who's who of pictures, I meaning from Greg Amundsen <laughs> to Rory to Tyson to Noah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so many people that you've probably looked up to, you know, you've met. Who's, who's your favorite CrossFit celebrity? Oh, I have a couple. Um, I, 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 I write about them in my book actually. So we've, there's a handful of them. So we've got Tasia, we got Noah. Tasia, um, the year that we went to Aromas, I was her chaperone. Yeah. And we've kind of remained friendly ever since. She's She's a great girl. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, Who did you say after Tasia? Who you said somebody after Tasia? Uh, Tasia, Noah. Noah. Okay. Noah. Dan Bailey. Dan Bailey, Cole Sager. Rich Froning and uh, Chris Spieler. So clearly faith is a big part. You've chosen a lot of these athletes that also share your, yes. I don't know what the right word is, your, your faith or love for faith. Is that a big right. part of it? Uh, absolutely, yeah. And then you, it, you've clearly made a connection with Tyson who introduced us. Yes. And, and, and I see pictures with oh. Rory, but yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with all those people, people you've mentioned. Um, yeah. Who... Who was the person that you met that you were you were the most starstruck around? Oh, 
Um, starstruck. Okay, so funny thing. <laughs> When I, when I started doing the, you know, when I came out to do the podcast and, and all this other stuff, I had, a, I had a much different introduction to all of this than I think a lot of people do. I had no idea who anybody was. So like Noah, for instance, when I first met him, I had no idea who he was. I did not know that he was a, a big CrossFit athlete. I got to meet him just as a guy that was sitting next to me at the table and talk to him and just get to know him that way. So I, I, I didn't have all these people way up here because I didn't know anything about any of the game side of the, the house. Does, you know what I mean? That's, That's kind of weird, That's right? important but, for people to hear though, because yeah. even with what went down with CrossFit, you know, something I said repeatedly was like, most people don't know who this guy is. Yeah, it's true. You know, and it's the same with like these best athletes, like, cool. Like this is great that your handful of members watch the games, but Athena didn't join because she saw the games. Athena joined because one of your regular members inspired her. Yeah. And that's what people need to remember. Yeah. I, uh, in fact, when, when Savon was doing the podcast, um, one of his questions was, uh, he goes, Hey, do you know who, do you know, Patrick Velmer? He's number two in the world. And I remember <laughs> shaking my head. I was like, no, nope, no, nope, never heard of him. I didn't know who he was. Who's she? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so I wasn't, um, I, I didn't have the, yeah. I, I, so to say starstruck, I, I don't know that I was because they were never that to me. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. What, what inspired you to then show up at the games and, and volunteer? Um, Oh, I just wanted to, I'd heard about the games since I'd started and, and everybody kept saying, you know, you got to go. It's an experience that you can't describe. And um, I didn't know what that meant, but I thought, well, um, let's go experience it. And then of course I got hooked because. You there, Athena? Hello. reason that we're all inspired by the same thing that's what makes it so cool cool i dropped you for a second but i think we i think we understood what you just said so i'm gonna let you get moving in a second anything else you wanted to share with our listeners with our audience about your book your journey anything else that that's gone on over the last few years for you Okay, hopefully everything went right. My internet all of a sudden just dropped. But anyway, I was basically wrapping up and wanted to ask you, is there anything else you wanted to share about your journey, about your book? Obviously, we want to direct people to go buy Lifting the Weight. I assume it's on Amazon. And if you Google it, you're going to find yeah. it. Um, anything yeah. else you wanted to share? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, um, you know, I just want to tell people that it's, there's a little something for everybody in there. And I, I don't think that you have to lose weight. You don't have to be a, even a CrossFitter um, to understand um, the book and to, to get something out of it. And um, I'm, I'm honored to share. Well, that's great. And, I, and yeah, the same thing that I was trying to do with my book, right? It's like, hey, we may have a very specific small niche in this world, but really we're writing it for everybody. Everyone yeah. can use a little motivation in their life, regardless of, 
of where they're trying to achieve that. Yeah, well, totally agree. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And I would say I'd see you at the games this year, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm so, sure I'll, I'll, see, I'll, I'll see you soon. How about we say yes, that? I'll see you soon. And in the meantime, really, you know, best of luck with your garage gym. Thank you. And can, with your continued journey and, and everything else you do. You know, I look forward to you hitting uh, eight bestseller lists in your future. <laughs> hopefully this book or hopefully this podcast pushes you over the edge there. So, well, I appreciate it, man. I thank you so much for everything. Yeah. And one last shout out for Tyson for introducing us. So thanks so much. Tyson. Tyson is, um, can I, can I give him a little spot here? Of course. He is, he's him and, uh, Tyson and, and cause Mike Coslap are, uh, they're my family, you know, and, um, just truly amazing men. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome human beings. So yeah, yeah every, everyone and everyone that you've mentioned on the show are people that, you know, I, I respect and, and consider friends. So, so really yeah. you know, from Dave to Tyson to, yeah. to all the athletes you mentioned all, yeah. you know, and what's the common denominator? CrossFit. CrossFit. So there you go. Athena Perez, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor, head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at besthouroftheirday. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Best hour of their day.